Hi, this is Nick Forster. Welcome to E-Town's continued celebration of 30 years on the radio. This week we're focusing on 1995, which was a big season for us. And we have one show that we wanted to feature in its entirety without just taking pieces and parts of it. And that one starts right now. From the historic Boulder Theater in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town, with this week's musical guests, from Canada, the group Bare Naked Ladies, and from Nashville, singer-songwriter Doug Hoekstra. Plus, we'll have a conversation with Alex Pacheco about the ethical treatment of animals. Right now, here's your host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town, where we get together each week and listen to some great live music and talk a little bit about the world around us. As usual, we are cutting a, uh, a pretty wide swath through the musical and cultural landscape this week. Nice environmental metaphor for you to start things out. But it all should fit together just fine. A few months ago, my friend Mark told me about a songwriter he had met. It was somebody I had never heard of, and uh, he'd been in a group that I'd also never heard of. Um, I think it was called... Bucket number six. And uh, so I suspect he'll be new to most of you also. He's from Chicago. He now lives in Nashville. Very original musician who also writes uh, short stories that have been published. His new record, which is called When the Tubes Begin to Glow, has been getting some great reviews, especially in Europe. And uh, very happy to have him here. Would you please welcome to E-Town for his first visit, Mr. Doug Hoekstra. Way 
inside of the interstate where the rain was pounding down. To work. I don't think she said a single word. The payphone rang and rang. Somebody laughed at an old cornball joke. I felt like a man in a terrible dream. The only one sitting among 10,000 seats. I headed for the dome. It's a shame these days how the interstates all look the same So I turned up my collar and dove into the rain Splashing around on the interstate Way outside on the interstate Where the rain was pounding down Doug Hoekstra, Nashville, Tennessee. This new record is called When the Tubes Begin to Glow. When the Tubes Begin to Glow. We're going to have more from Doug Hoekstra a little later on in the show. And of course, the Bare Naked Ladies are going to be here. Those of you listening in our radio audience must be particularly curious about that act. <laughs> Wonders of radio. Uh, but you know, right now, before we do that, before we get on to more music, we're going to do something we do every week, which is we get to honor somebody out there who was nominated by our listeners, who's doing something just a little bit extra. And of course, I'm talking about the Ichiban Award, which is, which is a, a great thing, actually. I mean, really is, the fact is, there's lots of people who are doing things one by one, one at a time, and it does eventually make a difference. That's what the award is all about. The award's made possible by a grant from Toms of Maine. And uh, here's Helen to tell us more about who this week's winner is. Thanks, Nick. This week's award goes to three friends. Their names are Leela Stanfield, Donald Dewar, and Jeff Kessler. They've been nominated, by the way, by listener Scott Badley of Cheyenne, Wyoming, who listens to E-Town on KUWR, the Wyoming Public Radio Network. Leela is a private pilot who uh, lives in Wyoming, and in the course of her regular job as a paralegal for a law firm there, she would transport people by plane to and from hearings across the state. All this flying gave her the opportunity to view large portions of the Medicine Bow National Forest, and she began to notice the devastating scars left on the land where excessive logging or clear-cutting was being allowed. When Leela did some checking, she found that a lot of the untouched areas were also slated for clear-cutting, and that's when she decided to let the public know what was going on. 
So she asked two friends, Donald Dewar and Jeff Kessler, who are photographers, to help her document what was happening. And they started the group uh, Friends of the Bow and set out to save as much of the forest as they could. And Nick, Leela Stanfield was able to join us by phone at her home in uh, Laramie, Wyoming. She's waiting to talk to you and tell you more about what happened from there. So please welcome one of this week's award winners, Leela Stanfield. Leela, are you there? Yes, I am. Up in Laramie? Yes, I'm here in Wyoming, thank you. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for being with us by phone. So first of all, when did this whole thing start? When did you uh, start doing these flights and noticing these changes? Well, actually, I started flying back in 1977, but I don't think I really understood what I was seeing until about 1988, and that's when we started taking the pictures. What did you do with those photographs when you first got them? Well, actually, once we started taking the pictures, we uh, started putting them out into the community, doing some slideshows, and the people at the University of Wyoming wanted to see some of them in their classes, so we used them um, in some teaching settings, and we started doing public meetings, and even the Forest Service started coming and looking at the pictures, and even the loggers started coming, and yeah, the pictures speak for themselves. People were shocked when they saw them. Was the Forest Service shocked when they saw them? Yeah, they were. Huh. And, um, and what did the loggers uh, have to say about it when they started well, seeing these things? Well, they had never seen the forest from that perspective. Uh -huh. And uh, they were impacted, just like the rest of us, by the cumulative impacts that, were, uh, that you could see once you were that far above the forest. And you could see all of these places that looked like farming had been done, basically. It looked mm. more like a farm than like a forest. Now, did the photos get published outside of Wyoming at all? What happened was that the Foundation for Deep Ecology from San Francisco joined up with Sierra Club Books and published, wanted to publish a book called Clear Cut. And when they uh, heard about some of our pictures, they um, decided to put one of them in there. What happened eventually was that a, a Wyoming so-called wise youth group decided to boycott the book. And the way that they did that was they picked Patagonia because Patagonia was the um, company. The, the, the was, outdoor company, Patagonia? Yeah, the outdoor company. And they have a catalog company up in Bozeman. And so they decided to boycott the catalog company. And the way they did that was they sent out a thousand faxes to different people across the country and asked them to jam their catalog order telephone lines. And that's what happened. To jam Patagonia's 800 number or something. Right, to keep people from being able to... Um, buy the products. and So uh, Patagonia came up with something pretty creative. They decided to turn the backlash sort of back onto these other folks, and the way they did that was they decided to donate $10 for every harassing phone call to an environmental group that was yeah, it's great, to an environmental group that was doing work on clear cuts, and since we were working in Wyoming and we were contributors to the book, they gave us the money. Wow. That's better than sort of randomly shipping outdoor products to all these people who were jamming their phone lines, too, which they could have done also. Exactly. Well, there ended up to be 134 harassing phone calls, so you could see we did okay. Yeah. So, um, and what's the net result? So you got some publicity, you got some tension, you got the word out, you took some great photographs, and people started becoming aware of this. Have you saved uh, any of the forest land from getting clear-cut? 
Well, we have for time anyway. We did um, succeed in get a moratorium on the cutting of roadless areas on the Medicine Bow uh, last year. And so for um, the time being, there's no more cutting in the roadless areas. There are just six of those left, and they look like they're protected for a couple of years. Well, Leela, on behalf of uh, Scott Badley, we're very happy to present you and Jeff Kessler and Donald Dewar with this week's E-Achievement Award. We're going to send you a framed certificate in the mail, all of you, and uh, in recognition of your efforts. We Thank feel really honored by that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Leela. Congratulations once again to Leela Stanfield. The Achievement Award is made possible by a grant from Tom's of Maine, producing all-natural toothpaste, deodorant, and mouthwash for 25 years. Tom's of Maine, where goodness comes naturally. Our thanks goes out to listener Scott Badley of Cheyenne, Wyoming, for writing in. And Scott will send you an E-Town t-shirt, along with some Tom's of Maine personal care products for writing in about this week's winners. And if you'd like to nominate someone for the Achievement Award, or if you'd like to learn more about the Friends of the Bow organization, you can get in touch with us on our website, etown.org. Or write us at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. All right, thank you, Helen. The Achievement Award. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Doug Hoekstra is going to be back with us later on. Plus, coming up, we're going to be speaking with Alex Pacheco, who's the president and co-founder of an organization called People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, or PETA. But first, right now, ethical treatment of human beings. We're going to very succinctly introduce our next guest there from Canada. For those of you listening at home, the band, uh, I guess I'll just, yeah, I'll say they are entirely clothed and uh, all male. Would you please welcome the Bare Naked Ladies. She was three Her Bobby's always did it on the first day Now she's with me So there's never any need for them to demonstrate She's like a baby, I'm like a cat When we are happy, we both get fat And still, it's never enough It's never enough, no, it's never enough So I don't tend to worry about the things that other people say And I'm learning that I wouldn't want it any other way
down With no one there to catch me from falling When she came around Only her tenderness stopped me from bawling My eyes out I'm okay And that's why her life In a nutshell No way would she ever want me to change me It's not that easy Cause my time is up at the side for me Thank you. Thank you. It's very excellent to be here in E-Town. I actually almost went to college here. That's true. Um, but I didn't get in. Very small college. My parents really wanted me to come out here because they said the crime rate was really low. Uh, and they thought that, that would be a good influence on me. Um, but instead, I had to go to uh, G-Town, which is like a, a place where it's just it's full of garbage and crime. But it was a fun place to be. Uh, you should have seen some of the hazing things they did in the frat. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the girl works at the store, sweet Jane St. Clair. Was dazzled by her smile while I shopped there It wasn't long before I lived with her I sang her songs while she dyed my hair Stop. 
Your sweet James and Dad's by her smile while I shop. Stern as a liar, smile while I shop with a girl inside the store. Sweet James and Dad's. No promises as vague as ever. No promises as vague as ever. No Juliana next to my Hi, this is Nick Forster. You're listening to our special celebration of E-Town's 30 years on the air with a focus on 1995 this week and the special show featuring the Bare Naked Ladies and Doug Hoekstra. We will be back with more after a break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town, folks. We've got the Bare Naked Ladies from Toronto, Canada here with us. And uh, you guys seem like you get along with each other. You have a kind of a nice family sort of a vibe. Is that, have you been doing this for a long time? We've done a lot of acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy and acting. That's true. Yeah. Um, we're actually, uh, you might see us on Sunday nights on TV. If you actually ever watch TV, uh, Full House, featuring the Olsen sisters right there. Jim, Jim and Andy Olsen. Hello, hello. They look much cuter on TV. I, I, I don't get it, but I'm sure it's funny. It's a TV funny. joke. So it's a TV sure joke. someone yeah. in the audience yeah. who watches TV. <laughs> Why do we have to wear these tuxes? This doesn't make sense if it's for a radio show. What? Yeah. What tux? <laughs> All I got was this G-string. <laughs> well, you know, the clothing thing is important just because the radio audience has such an image. They are thinking about what you guys are wearing. So the tux, the G-string, just sort of like the village people. Spread it around. Yeah, true. We have the... The suit of armor behind the piano. (laughs) The cop uniform there back behind the bass. Uh So when did you you start playing music together, you guys? About 20 minutes ago, I think. (laughs) Something like that. 
Quick studies. Yeah. No, you, uh, Ed and Steve, you've known each other for a long time, is that right? Yeah, since grade school, since I was about, I think I was in grade five, or as you say here in E-Town, fifth grade. Um, <laughs> and uh, Ed was in the grade below that. Or as you say here, E-Town. Right. <laughs> so, uh, we, but we weren't friends because we were kind of a year apart, and that's not the cool You wouldn't thing hang out with him. Yeah, right? you don't hang out with people exactly. a year younger or a year older. We almost could have made it though because I was a grade lower than Steve but I was kind of a bully so I was almost like a grade above. That's true. And it's also because he was, he was about f four or five years older than me. He That's just right. failed a lot. <laughs> See, Steve looked up to me when I was in grade four because I was the only one with a really trim mustache. <laughs> I said, aren't you Prince? <laughs> you must have been in fourth grade not long ago. <laughs> Hey, um, and I'm assuming that the band name came out of basically the same sort of inspiration as uh, like free beer or something like that on the Actually, poster. Actually, no. I'm, I think a lot of people think it's come, <laughs> comes from like calling yourself Five Cent Wing Night or something, but it, it wasn't what we had intended because we never thought we were going to have an audience. So we just came up with a bunch of names that made it's, us it, laugh. It's like, a little more like calling yourself Celery with Cheese Whiz. Yeah. <laughs> it's what, you know, it, or, you know we, we thought maybe we were going to call it something like Danny's Pants or something like that. Like just, it was just dumb names. Like, and this was one that reminded us of being eight years old because when you're eight right. and someone happened to have stashed up in one of the branches of the tree a picture from like, the Sears catalog of a woman in uh, a really confining uh, control top pantyhose or something like that. <laughs> uh, and they'd say, oh, Bruce has, has bare naked ladies in the tree. <laughs> That's all it comes from, really. Oh, I see. When you were eight years old. And hey, and, and, and besides, we all came from bare naked ladies. That's right. <laughs> bare naked ladies, France. <laughs> I'm really, I'm appreciating this piano accompaniment, too. I think That's this is That's nice really work, fun. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, let's move right along. Now, tell us a little bit about this thing. You had an enormously popular, certainly, um, well, actually by any standards, I was going to say by Canadian standards, but that would be sort of insulting. You've had a very, very popular I record. I would not take the word Canadian as an insult. No, but in terms of, uh, you know, population, sometimes I think Canadian artists do, they say, well, we had a gold record, but it doesn't translate to the same number of records sold as it does in this country. Right, because a gold record in Canada is like, you just have three records. Yeah, two or three. Yeah. It's like, as long, do both your parents have it? Okay, fine. <laughs> and then now you come down here and, uh, and you're having great success. Yeah, things are going really well. We've been touring pretty well nonstop since the second record came out uh, in the summer. And uh, we've been selling out all over the place. Uh, the secret, I think, is just, you know, play places that hold 50 or fewer people. Right. And, uh, <laughs> We actually just got a really nice announcement though. Our new album, which is Maybe You Should Drive, has just been down here in the US. It's been certified corrugated tin. So we're pretty happy about that. All right. It's useful. Well, let's hear some more of that stuff from your new record. Is this, are you gonna do something from your new record yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. Are we? Yeah, yeah we, we are, we're sure gonna, we are. Yeah, we are. Why don't we? <laughs> I see it right there written on the floor. I, I was not mind us writing on the floor. floor. No, I was no. looking into the radio. Hey, hey, hey. 
across the world Mother's cars, the kids are feeling sad. That's how it is, and I'll see you later. Everything old is new again, everything under the sun. Now that I'm back with you again, we hug and we kiss, we sit and we drink and I bandage your wrists Waste of youth There wasn't much to waste She's down to the bone And still losing weight All the wishing Listening in her eyes When I say I love her She thinks I'm telling lies Is it all lost? No, we never had it Everything old is new again Everything under the sun She can't find a way to live Oh, I moved back home To fill the empty nest Afraid to roam In love with the second best Hosting her own show Everyone she questions Never seems to know Just who they are And where they are going Everything old is new again Everything under the sun All my nightmares repeat All across the world Vocals and guitar, Ed Robertson. Vocals and guitar, Jim Cregan on the bass, Andrew Cregan on the keyboards, and Tyler Stewart on the drums. The Bare Naked Ladies from Toronto, 
Their new record's called Maybe You Should Drive. Great, great band. I like them a lot. Bare Naked Ladies. They have come down here to this country with great success. And uh, not too long ago, another group came down from Canada to the Rocky Mountain West, only this time it wasn't musicians. It was a group of gray wolves being reintroduced into the wilderness. And the results of that trip are still a little bit, uh, a little bit cloudy. Whether or not a wolf is more valuable than a lamb or a calf or whether it threatens the welfare of humans in these wild places. And in a little bit of a larger sense, whether or not the human species has the right to manipulate and create environments for selected uh, animal species. So now in a less wild setting here in this country, a similar debate goes on, only this has more to do with the way we perceive and treat animals in our culture. We use them for food and for pets, for clothing, for scientific experiments, and in some cases for some pretty cruel and pointless research. Our next guest is the president and co-founder of a uh, powerful organization in the world of animal rights. The organization is called People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, or PETA. Would you please welcome Mr. Alex Pacheco. Good afternoon. There he is. Alex, um, how did you get into this whole business of the ethical treatment of animals? Well, for myself, I was studying to go into the priesthood, and by chance I happened to go through a huge slaughterhouse. And even though as a kid I was raised in Mexico, and I used to help slaughter animals in the backyard for dinner each night, when I went to this huge slaughterhouse, it was like stepping into hell on earth, because the suffering on, was on, is on such a massive scale and the animals are falling and tripping and they can smell the blood and they can hear the animals ahead of them crying out and they, the ground is all concrete and it's covered with defecation because they're all defecating out of fear and they're slipping and falling and the people working there just beat them with canes to get them to keep going and then the slaughtering process begins and it, it, was, it was just so barbaric and so violent I just I just haven't been the same since um, and the more I talked about it, uh, you know, ran into people who felt like-minded, and I've hooked up with my partner, and we had no money, no organization, no, or nothing. But we had a common dream, and that was just that, you know, these animals are like children. They really are like children, and we need to start treating them like that. And we've taken that dream and turned it into the largest animal rights group in the world with about half a million members. And offices overseas, and, and the only thing I'm really proud of is a very long track record of taking on corporate America, taking on the corporate giants of this world, and getting them to change. What getting about some of the companies who have claimed that uh, doing research with animals has really benefited um, humankind and the medical profession? I know U.S. Surgical has used animal research to develop their surgical staple gun that they used, uh, and their claim is it's a good thing what they're doing. That's a classic example of the problem. They make the surgical gun that they use to staple up people after surgery. There are four or five other companies that make the exact same staple gun, but only one of those five companies uses live animals, and that's US Surgical. The others have a, a product that's just as good, but they don't kill any animals in the process. What US Surgical does, for example, is they take a thousand dogs every year, and they go to hospitals around the country, and they these are perfectly healthy dogs, there's nothing wrong with them. They anesthetize them, put them on the table, cut them open, staple them shut, and then kill them. Just to demonstrate their product. And, 
as a marketing tool to try to sell their product to the hospitals. It's just a typical example of how animals get caught up in the drive for profits. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this is pretty graphic stuff. What are you advocating? What are you suggesting? We're, we advocate what's called a cruelty-free lifestyle. See, everything in life that we buy or use is either one of two things. It was either made inhumanely and someone suffered in the process, or it was made humanely. It's cruelty-free. So everything's like that. Say it's just a typical shampoo, a bottle of shampoo. Now, how harmful can that be? Well, some shampoos out there were tested on animals, and those animals were poisoned to death over a period of weeks without any painkillers to test shampoo, to test oven cleaner to test every single product under the sun. Companies would say, oh, I, I've got a great idea. I'm, or somebody on staff would say, oh, before we introduce this new shampoo, let me uh, feed it to a rabbit for a month. Or, I mean, that doesn't make much sense. Well, they do it to protect themselves so that if the shampoo ends up hurting somebody, a consumer, and the consumer mm-hmm. sues the company, they will use these tests to try to protect themselves. The tests are not to protect the consumer. They are to protect the company from the consumer. And the point of the whole thing is that we have lists, which we give for free, of course, and we just ask people to be aware which products are inhumane and which ones are good, and just select the humane ones instead. In case you just joined us, our guest is Alex Pacheco, who's the co-founder and director of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Um, Alex, you, uh, you know, to what degree do you take this? I see you, it looks like you've got a leather watch strap and you're wearing some leather shoes, and I don't know if you eat meat or not, but... These days, there's great imitations out there. When I first became a vegetarian 15 years ago, I didn't even know another vegetarian, and there was hardly any place I could go where I could find anything. But today, there's substitutes for everything. The shoes, the tuxedos, everything you can get cruelty-free. There are, and even you know, now they have vegetarian steak, as well as hamburgers, and vegetarian fish, vegetarian chicken, everything. What do they make vegetarian steak? Make it out of vegetarians, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Vegetarians that misbehave, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh. So your organization is now obviously working on a number of different fronts. But again, your goal is to just see people be more informed consumers? Yes. Um, we can continue to finance cruelty, or we can choose not to finance it. And that is an incredibly powerful tool. And that's been our power, the strength. It's people power. It's the good old-fashioned people power to get these corporations to listen and to do the right thing. And if people want to find out more about uh, general corporate policies of companies that they may be supporting, they can contact your organization? Yes, we have uh, a tremendous amount of information readily available. Great. All right. Well, Alex, thank you very much for being here in E-Town this week. Once again, our guest, Alex Pacheco, the founder and co-director of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Thank you. The Bare Naked Ladies are going to be back in just a little while to play some more music. Uh, but first, I'd like to welcome back to E-Town uh, from Nashville, Mr. Doug Hoekstra, who's originally from Chicago. And then where did you live? You lived in Austin for a little while? That's right. I lived in Austin for about a year. Yeah. And you know, I, just from listening to your songs and listening to the way you play and approach music, it seems a little curious to me that you've decided to choose Nashville as your hometown. You know? Yes, I often think the same thing. Um, but actually, uh, you know, it's like anywhere. I mean, there are pockets in Nashville that are um, 
it's a lot different than you might anticipate until you get there, both good and bad on both the sides of the coin. Pockets of uh, darkness and introspection. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. Anyway, I mean, I don't know. You, this might be a terribly cheerful song you're about to play, so I won't prejudge. No, not, a, not at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, welcome back, Doug Hoekstra. Thanks. Actually, um, this song, that was a perfect introduction. This song is a little bit on the dark side. This is a song that uh, came about from some experiences in Chicago. Uh, I had the privilege of working with a friend of mine on a study he was doing on AIDS. And specifically, he was doing oral histories. And um, as I listened to these people's stories, it just struck me there was a certain element of universality in their struggles that, um, I don't know, I could relate to. I thought many other people could, and so that's what the song is about. It's called The Way the Wind Blows. There's a word for it, the way the wind blows. There's a place for it Where all the time goes And I don't know, can't remember about either one Lord, let me know When you had your fun I was born this way Didn't I become Kind of man had to hide his love. Never want to be sacrificial lamb. Well, all I wanted to be was just who I am. And I'm talking about the way the wind blows. Hurricane quick or sweet and slow Let it go The way the wind blows On quiet nights I can lay awake Listen to the train put on its brakes the little boy I can see so well Was gone for good when the hammer fell And I'm talking about the way the wind blows Hurricane quick or sweet and slow trust in you to speak for me when my throat gets dry and I lose my dreams I've never been one to scream and shout when my flame gets low please 
please blow it out And I'm talking about The way the wind blows Hurricane quick Or sweet and slow Tennessee. Mr. Doug Hoekstra. We'll be back with more from the Bare Naked Ladies and Doug Hoekstra after this short break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. in E-Town, I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like KHSU in Arcata, California, WNCW in Spindale, North Carolina, and on KMUX in Wichita, Kansas. So we're in the last little segment of music here on the program this week. Bare Naked Ladies are back with us. And um, Steve, let me just ask you about, I, I also learned that you guys do some environmental work with a foundation called the, is it called the Evergreen Foundation? Up in- yeah, the Evergreen Foundation. They're based yeah. out of Toronto. We've done uh, do some benefits for them, or we did, we did a long, quite a while ago. We did a a uh, what? Yeah. Oh, and we've also done stuff for the Sign Valleys Fest, which is in British Columbia. So we have done a few different uh, environmental benefits. The Evergreen Foundation in Toronto was based mostly in trying to, um, no pun intended, spruce up the uh, Toronto uh, city lands with more trees and better water and that kind of thing. Uh, trees uh, in schoolyards and parks and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and there's, there's also a big drive to try and uh, clean up the Don River, which is a major river going right through the city of Toronto, which is um, uh, not recommended for swimming in or fishing or drinking. Um, so You can tell the temperature based on how high the river is. There's that much mercury in it, I think. That's right. <laughs> But we try and do our best for the environment. Like, you know, none of us have actually bathed since Earth Day 1987. Right. <laughs> but you, it really saves on water. Yeah. Do you look, keep piling that Tom's deodorant on? That's right. right. <laughs> Fabulous. Plus, I, I try to make it. Uh, I try to make it a habit. I buy an acre of rainforest every year. I figure by the time I'm 30, I should be able to put up a cottage. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
with the with the indigenous trees that you cut down, you can yeah, build one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna make a big like uh, old growth log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> They're the sturdiest logs. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's pretty clever, and you could probably uh, you could probably deduct the cost of your vacation home as you go, right? <laughs> Anyway, no, I appreciate the fact that you, uh, you do those kinds of things. You've also done some work for uh, food drives and other things in the Toronto area. Yeah, Daily Bread Food Bank in Toronto has kind of been our main uh, charity for a long time. We did something in Toronto three years running called the Bare Naked Circus. And it was, we were kind of like the, uh, the ringmasters, I guess, and we took all kinds of street performers from the Toronto area and we brought them all into a club and had a bizarre kind of weird evening. And it was we, cool. Yeah, we donated all the proceeds to and Daily Bread Food the, Bank. The first gig we ever did uh, in 1988 was a, a benefit for the uh, Second Harvest Foundation, which That's collects right. food from restaurants and, and, uh, and supermarkets and the like. So let that be a lesson to all those budding musicians out there listening on the radio that if you do this kind of stuff, it'll really help your career and then... Well, it's also, know. if you need a gig, um, right. benefits are really easy to get <laughs> on. <laughs> You guys know about uh, Clockwood Sound down here? It's a place on uh, Vancouver Island. Yeah, we do actually know about that yeah. issue. We've so, been uh, trying to be as involved as we can in that yeah. as well, and trying to stop a lot of the clear-cutting that's going on there. But it's, it's heavy political issues going yeah. on in Canada, because who do you support? You know, you support the land, or do you support the people, or do you just keep your mouth shut? And well, what it sounds like to me is that you're supporting issues that make sense to you guys, and very importantly, you're having a lot of fun in the process, which I think is great. It's a big so, part of it. Yeah. It is. It is, as they say, only rock and roll. But I like it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about it. Well, once again, welcome back to E-Town, the Bare Naked Ladies from Toronto, Canada. Thank you. So here we are, about to go electric. Ed has strapped on his electric guitar. We're ready to go. Yeah. This is like um, Dylan at Newport. When, he, when Dylan came on stage at the Newport Folk Festival and he went electric, uh, I wasn't there. I'd like to say, just before we play the song, it's been a real pleasure being here in E-Town. The transit system's great. Yeah, that's and, uh, true. The trains run on time. The weather's always I'd like nice. To, I would like to thank uh, Transit Commissioner Mussolini for helping us with that. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Of their own 
Learned in the school As what Fonzie said Cause he was very cool As for adversary As for election As arousal You are giving me an erection Come on, I'm trying to show affection For longer than a half an hour And I don't even know Why you keep on trying I don't even know Why I give up Wonderful band, great musicians, the Bare Naked Ladies. Just a great band. We're going to get Doug Hoekstra out here and do uh, just one last song to kind of wind things down. This is a, uh, it's a Neil Young song, actually. And... Uh, it's a song that some of us have never played before, but I'm sure it's going to work out just fine. 
I would like to thank everybody for being here in E-Town this week. Of course, the Bare Naked Ladies, Doug Hoekstra, Mr. Alex Pacheco, and uh, from the from the uh, organization PETA. And we spoke with Leela Stanfield on the phone from up there in Laramie, Wyoming. And of course, the E-Tones and Helen Forster and the cast and crew. We've had a good time this week. I'm Nick Forster, and I hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. edited by Nick and Helen Forrester with help from professional sound and recording. Our program was recorded live at the historic Boulder Theater in Boulder, Colorado. Thanks to the E-Tones, Ron Jolly on keyboards, Chris Engelman on bass, Steve Ivey on drums, and Nick Forrester on guitar and mandolin. Deepest thanks to our crew who helped put the show together, including Todd Ayers, Helen Forster, and Donna Giardino. Distribution of E-Town is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. This is a production of E-Town. All right, that is it. One of the special shows from 1995. This is something that has not been shared or heard in a long, long time. We hope you enjoyed it. I want to say special thank you to the Bare Naked Ladies, to Doug Hoekstra, to Alex Pacheco, and to Leela Stanfield, our award winner, the organization Friends of the Bow. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks for listening.